Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, I want to share a message today with you called Walking on Water. Say Walking on Water. Walking on Water. This is a story that is talked about quite often in church. Hands up if you've ever heard the story of Jesus walking on water in your lifetime. Um, well, this idea of uh, a man breaking the laws of nature to do the impossible by walking on waters is something that we should remember, something we should turn our attention to because what we are seeing here is what it means to live a life of faith. Who wants to be someone who's known for living a, a life of faith? That's me. Before it says uh, in the song we sang, faithful you are God. You know, I want, I want to be someone that at the end of my life, someone says that he was faith-filled, that he lived a life of faith. He was someone who lived believing in the unseen, believing in having confidence in a God who was faithful to us. So what I want to do is I want to p- jump into this passage, into the scripture to see why someone walking on water is so essential to our Christian living. All right? Is that good? Who's excited? Who loves their Bible? My Bible's in the bag. <laughs> I should bring it out. This is something that I, I thought, actually, let's, let's be that church. If you have a Bible, this is old. This is my, like, I've had this for, like, 10 years. Um... If you have a Bible, I encourage you to bring it along from now on. Just so we can, when, when we sit here, we can all be like, yeah, amen. That was really good, Andrew. I like what you said. And if you disagree with something, you just smack it down on the chair in front of you and be like, I disagree. No, don't disagree with me. Yes, please. <laughs> just afterwards. Um, I just want to, I just want to. Uh, give you a side note before we go into this message and it does it links in it weaves into my message but i actually believe that as a church that we are moving into a season where this idea of walking in water is going to become a greater reality what i mean by that so when seasons change when seasons change just like physically for winter summer you dress accordingly i said this to someone the other day when seasons change, you dress accordingly. So in summer, you wear shorts, you wear shirts, you know, you, wear, you put your sunscreen on. In winter, you chuck your jumpers on, your jackets on, and you, you, you dress accordingly. So spiritually, when your season changes, you have to adapt as well. Let me say that again. When your spiritual season changes... You need to adapt accordingly. Where your focus is, where your time is. What's up, baby? That's my son. <laughs> where your focus is, where your money goes, where your prayers go. What's up, Ollie? So when you have a spiritual change in season, you need to dress accordingly as well. So I believe that we are moving into a a new season as a church and as individuals in a church. This message is going to be significant for us, significant for us. Can I just say, over the past October to now, this church has gone through something quite significant. This church has gone through a, a resilience training. 
this church with twins being born, with, with the, me, the senior pastor, going out for three months and almost dying, you know, with, with just different things, financial things, things that we've gone through as a church. We've gone through resilience training. I think it's important to realize that we are strong and we have a strong foundation. And what, we, what the next season looks like is going to be a season of faith. This is something I really believe, something Megs and I have been talking about in our house over lots of cups of teas. Uh, I really believe that this is where the church is going. So let's read the Bible. On three, yell out, what version do you read of your Bible? One, two, three. ESV. I read the ESV. Who reads the ESV? Hands up. The, the holiest people in the house. I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I'm joking. All right, we're going to read from the ESV today. And it's, this is actually an NLT Bible, to be, to be honest. We're going to read from the ESV from Matthew 14, verses 22 to, 20 to 33. And if you can't see it, I apologize, but I'll read it out to you. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. Note that, all right? After um, when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, just to let you know, the fourth watch of the night means between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So that's what it means. 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. is like in nautical fishing um, understanding. The fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Um, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. I don't think they would say, it is a ghost. They would say, it's a ghost. Yeah, but it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? Some translations for little faith is baby faith. Uh, so that's, that's pretty brutal. You of baby faith. Anyway, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That passage is powerful. The passage is very powerful. And it's something that when we start to peel back the layers of this passage, we'll start to realize that there was something significant within it, more than what we're used to hearing. This was, first of all, though, I want to clarify something about the sea. The sea was the Sea of Galilee. Who's heard of the Sea of Galilee before? So this was not a little lake. This was not a little lake. This was a sea. Who's ever been to Bibra Lake before? Or who's ever been to like just a nice lake? And it's like, oh, that's nice. There's some ducks there. Someone's like got their um, remote control boat just cruising out and about. You know, a lot, of, a lot of what we read in the Bible is like he went across the lake or there's these ideas that Jesus was on a lake. There are some stories, but this story, it was not a lake. This was a sea. This was an ocean. 
You know, there's, there's differences, but like this was, this was raging. This was something that actually, if we saw it at its worst, it is something that would take boats down quite easily. So this, this Sea of Galilee lies in the lower portion of the Jordan Valley in a mountain range that rises to 4,000 feet above sea level. So that's quite high. The lake itself, get this, is 700 feet below the Mediterranean Sea. So imagine that. You've got these mountains. You've got this, this sea, or the Mediterranean Sea, and then it's 700 feet below the sea level. So you've got this disparity between the sea level and what is happening here when the water funnels into it. So basically, you have a terrible situation. You have a place that is ripe for storms, a body of water that's susceptible to extremely violent storms. These storms are caused by the cold air rushing down from the mountains, surrounding it and colliding with the warm, moist air rising off the surface of the water itself. So it's just a situation that is terrible. It's a sea that is set up for storms. You know, if we think of the, the story that, oh, Jesus just walked on a lake. We've been to Bibber Lake. You know, even if you, you fell off out of the boat, you could probably swim to the edge. No, you can't. This is this is bad situation at 3 a.m. as well. Who knows when not to go swimming in the ocean? Around that time, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Like Dave, I used to do a bit of surfing and... I no longer do a bit of surfing because I went surfing in the fourth watch and I believe I saw a shark. And I don't even snorkel anymore. I should probably preach to myself right now, but it's like, yeah, it's just, a, it's susceptible to danger. You know, but my point is, what I'm trying to get here is this moment in time, this pericope where we zoom in and look at what's going on is a picture of what our lives could be like in different seasons, in different times when we are the most susceptible to storms in life. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're struggling with financial hardship. Maybe you're in a season right now where you've had a relationship breakdown. Maybe you're struggling with mental health issues or maybe you're just feeling extremely lonely. Maybe you've had a massive change in life circumstances and it just feels like you're holding on for dear life. You know what they say about tornadoes, the safest place to be is in the eye of the storm. But when you look around, you're like, this doesn't feel safe or look safe. You know, sometimes in life we find ourselves in situations that we're just it feels like the season creates we're more susceptible to storms or maybe you're just in a storm that's all happened all of a sudden it's tough it's difficult and the thing about this is it's, it's not casual the, the the disciples who went out onto the lake weren't having a casual mosey about the lake this was a full-blown sea like i was saying and it says in matthew that he, he says the boat was already a considerable distance for land buffeted before I preached on this maybe a year ago and, and everyone laughed because I said, I said buffeted, but the words buffeted, which I, I've rectified, 
it was buffeted by the waves. Everyone thought I was joking. I had no idea. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, like I was saying, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So the thing is, they were out. They were at a considerable distance from the land. But the thing is, Dave, I think Dave might have mentioned this uh, recently, or someone did, that the, the journey across the Sea of Galilee wasn't actually a long journey. It wasn't a considerably long journey. It was, it was something that could have been done within a, a half a day, if even less than that. And what we find here is that they were close enough for Jesus to walk out to them, just casually mosey out and just be like, what's up, guys? You know, you're still here. Oh, you were here just before. That shows you how bad the storm was. Because even though that they were they were trying to control their boat and while they're trying the strowing and raining, they had been they had only gone a little distance that was actually close enough for Jesus to walk to. But like I was uh, I was saying before, but being the fourth of the night watch of the night, they had been rowing and straining approximately from when they started to when uh, Jesus came to them. It, it's estimated around nine hours that they had been rowing and straining to try and get across this lake. You know, sometimes, I don't know how you feel currently, maybe it feels like you're just rowing and straining, that you're pushing and you're, you're doing your best just to keep your head above water and you've been doing it for ages, and it doesn't feel like you've gone anywhere. Maybe it feels like you're just in the same place. You know, I think that's, that's what Dave was saying. He was talking about the Israelites going across the, the desert. What was, what was not a short journey, it wasn't, long, it wasn't short, but it wasn't extremely long, ended up taking them 40 years. You know, sometimes it feels like things that should take shorter amount of time, end up just stretching out. And we're tired and we're straining and we're struggling. You know, I want to ask you a question though. Like, while I'm talking about this, do you feel like right now in your life that you're surrounded by some sort of storm? Do you feel like you're, you're struggling with something right now and it feels like you've been hit hard? You know that feeling where it's like, Emotionally, it's like, I feel like I've just been hit by a bus. You're like, oh, oh, that hit. Yeah. Are you tired? Yes. I find actually towards the end of the year, emotionally, people are actually probably the most tired that I I see. I used to, years ago, um, I would get to the end of the year and I'd just be so tired. I'd take a holiday and I'd just get sick. Because I feel like I've just been straining and rowing so hard, trying to get through the emotions, trying to get through the stresses and the struggles of life, trying to get out of the storm, but I'm still in the same place. You know, I find that right now is a good question to ask yourself. Am I, am I tired? Am I struggling? And if you can answer that, I think we've got something to work with. We're, we're cooking with gas, you know, but it's like, if you can't answer that, I think that's something you need to dwell on. So 
Sometimes in the middle of our storms, though, we fail to recognize Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, Mark tells us that the, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, their lake, they thought he was a ghost. Who's ever seen a, who thinks they've seen a ghost before in their lifetime? Anyone? Maybe. I feel, may, no, I haven't seen a ghost. Maybe. Maybe. They thought he saw a ghost. They thought Jesus was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. The, what we have to understand about this is that they had been with Jesus for a while now. They had been traveling with him. They had been sleeping in the same building and house as him. They had been walking from town to town with him. They knew what the back of him looked like, the side and the front of him looked like. They knew him because they had spent every waking day, potentially hour, together with Jesus. And in this storm, Jesus starts walking to them on the water. I, I I don't know what Jesus you see when you think about Jesus, but they knew what he looked like. And instead of saying, Jesus is here, they went to paranormal activity and they said, it's a ghost. It is definitely a ghost. It is a ghost. You know, they thought that Jesus was a ghost. Sometimes... In the middle of our storms, our personal storms, we actually fail to recognize the Lord when He comes to us. Think about that. Are you more focused on your storm than you are on your Savior? Are you more focused on, look how big my storm is. And sometimes we start to tell everyone how big our storm is. I've been there. And then we say, my storm is so big. Oh, woe is me. And then Jesus is just chilling, <laughs> waiting for us to say, oh, you're not a ghost. You're my savior. They didn't recognize him. And that shows us that sometimes, even though we live in faith or people of people as faith, that sometimes we stumble in our faith as we forget as we fail to recognize Jesus in our storms. I think that's good. I think that's good. Sometimes we fail to recognize Jesus in our storms. And sometimes, no, I say all the time, Jesus is waiting. He is there. He is waiting for you to recognize and invite him in to the boat. Whatever you're going through right now, I want to ask the question, do you actually recognize that God is with you? Or do you feel as though he's just chilling on the, on the side of the lake, just like, oh, they'll deal with it themselves. They're resilient enough. They'll sort it out. Do you actually recognize it, that God is with you? You know, one of the greatest lessons I learned through this year is that I can, be, I can be afraid and God w w could still be near me. That I can be sad and God will still be with me. That I can be broken and that God will not leave me or forsake me. Like God, God does not, God's closeness to you 
is not a, uh, in relation to his proximity. Because it says God, Emmanuel, God with us, that he is with us, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. What we do is we lose perspective and we start to believe that he is not with us, that he is not close to us. And then we start to create this narrative to say that we've been abandoned, that God has forsaken us. And that goes against everything that God says, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So what we don't want to be is we don't want to be like the disciples in that moment. They, they had little faith, baby faith, you know, like little faith. In that moment, they were like, oh, it's not Jesus, it's a ghost. That they'll go to a paranormal power over the creator of the universe, the Savior, Messiah of the world. We don't want to be like the disciples. We want to be people of faith as we mature in our faith that we say, who's that on the water? That is my Savior who is coming to my rescue. We don't want to be like those disciples, even though at times we do, and it's okay. I'll explain why in a second. But we want to be people who expect Jesus to rock up. Come on. Do you expect God to be there for you? We should. So we have to ask the question, why did they not recognize Jesus? The, question, the answer to that is they were not looking for him. Simple. Why did they not recognize him? Because they were not looking for him. Why do we not recognize Jesus in our storms? Because sometimes we're not looking for him. Sometimes we get into moments where we're like, all right, I'm just going to focus, like I was saying, on what I'm going through as opposed to what God is doing. Had they been waiting by faith, they would have known instantly. Instead, they jumped to the false conclusion that his appearance was that of a ghost. This is something I want you to, to wrestle with. And this is a, a bold statement, but I want you to wrestle with this. Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. For fear frequently blinds the eyes to the presence of the Lord. Let me say that again. Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. For fear frequently blinds the eyes to the presence of the Lord. The disciples had allowed fear to take the main place in their hearts to the point that when Jesus rocked up, they forgot who he was. When we allow ourselves to dwell on fear and what could happen, we start treating Jesus like a ghost. We start recognizing him in the midst of the storm. So that's essential for us to ask the question then, how do we overcome storms? How do we overcome storms? Ask the question to the person next to you. How do we overcome storms? Turn to the person next to you and say that. I'm glad you asked. We look to Jesus. Come on. We look to Jesus. We look to things that he did, and we look to things that he said, and we remember that above all, in the times of the storm, we need to be looking out on the water for Jesus who is coming. Come on. Why? Number one, I want to give you a few tips for how we can best handle storms and what we can do like Jesus did. What did Jesus do that helped him handle storms? 
Jesus made time for God. Jesus made time for God. This is the first important lesson we can take from, from the account to help us weather the storms of life. At the start, it says Jesus sent the disciples away so he could be alone on the mountain to pray. Even with the needs of so many people pressing in on him, the Lord makes solitary time with God his priority. He had crowds of people wanting him to come and to heal him and to, to feed them. But Jesus said, no, go away. I need to spend time with my father. If you look at Jesus compared to the disciples, while the disciples were terrified of the storms, Jesus walked upon the storms. Two distinct differences. The disciples who didn't make time to go and be alone were terrified of the storms, whereas Jesus who made time to be alone walked upon the storms. Jesus had just come from the mountain when we don't spend time with God, we fail to recognize him within the storms. And if we choose fear over faith constantly, maybe we are choosing other things over time with God. Maybe we're choosing that Netflix documentary. You know, Tiger King 2 just came out. You know, like maybe we're choosing Tiger King 2. You know, maybe we're choosing like all the Christmas movies that are coming out on Netflix at the moment. Maybe we're choosing something over God. And that will hinder us in times of trying to recognize him because we're not as familiar with his voice or who he is. The second thing that Jesus did that we can learn from is that Jesus always comes to us in the storms of life. It says in Isaiah 43, 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. The Lord may not come at the time we think because he knows when we need him the most. He may not be recognizable in the times that we think because he knows when we need him the most. Jesus had waited upon until the boat was as far from land as possible when all their hope was gone. In essence, Jesus was testing the disciples because that's what he was doing. He was teaching them, his disciples, his chosen 12. He was teaching them about faith. So what he did was he removed every human prop. And he said, all right, will you turn to me in faith? Why did Jesus walk in the water? To show that his disciples, that the very thing that they feared, the raging seething sea, was merely a sea of steps for him to come to them. This is a point here. Your storms are a pathway for Jesus. Your storms are actually a pathway for Jesus to walk upon to you. Your storms are not something that keeps Jesus out. What you're going through, the struggles, the fear, the emotions, the addictions, Jesus walks on them. It is his pathway. Your struggles doesn't mean that Jesus can't get to you. It means that he will get to you because he can walk on water. We need to recognize that these are situations, prime ground for Jesus to show his power. We need to start expecting God to rock up. If you are struggling with mental health now, start expecting God to heal your mind. If you're struggling with financial issues, start expecting. Why? Because this is a pathway for Jesus to walk upon. 
The next point is Jesus invites us to live by faith. And this goes into the, the whole message, but the last point in particular. Jesus walked on water by faith. We have to understand that when Jesus walked on water, he wasn't a demigod. He didn't transform into some spiritual being. He was a guy. He was fully man, fully human. When Jesus walked on water, he didn't click Shazam, I'm a genie, and walk on water. He just said, I live by faith because I know my father. And I, this storm is a pathway for me to get to your boat. So when Jesus walked on water, come on, that's pretty good. When Jesus walked on water, he showed us what we can do. He showed us what the human who lives by faith is capable of. He showed us that if you choose faith over fear, storms can become a pathway. And Jesus invited Peter to live by faith in that moment. And I want, even though Jesus does, is able to walk on water, Peter's a prime example of what it's like when we, we choose fear over faith. Peter, even if you know Peter in the Bible, was enthusiastic. He was a very enthusiastic guy. He's the kind of guy that would be like, who wants to go out for Max? Yeah, man. Uh, I'll drive. You know, Peter was the guy who was there at the front of the line. Peter was the guy that you wanted to spend less time with because he was so there all the time. Peter was that guy. But he was also the guy you wanted because he would be involved and do everything. Peter says, Lord, if, you tell, if it's you, tell me to come in the water. The Lord invites Peter to come and the disciple steps out of the boat. Peter walks on water towards Jesus. And this is where his little, his baby faith kicks in. Because it only lasted a moment. Because in, on the storm, when he was walking in the miraculous, when he was walking by faith, he took his eyes off the Lord. And it says he focused on the waves that were surrounding him. And he became afraid. And he began to sink. In that moment, Peter cries out, Save me, Lord. And Jesus instantly reaches out his hand to catch him. And this is, this is like the biggest burn. Peter, Jesus is like, grabs him. You of little faith. <laughs> he picks him up out of the water. You of little faith. You know, like, but what he's saying is that faith is the key here. Faith is the key here. Megs and I have been asking this question, what does it mean to live more by faith? Because we say it all the time. I'm a faith-filled person. Well, you're faith-filled because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So you have faith already, but what does it mean to be to live by faith? It means to live by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. So in times of hardship, times of storms, we actually ask and look for Jesus' guidance in that, those moments. Whereas if we choose in times of storms just to focus at our feet and not actually talk or ask God, where we are, to, where we're to go, and what we are to do, we start to live by our own, own, what we think, our own devices. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Hands up, who's ever doubted God in their life? I put my hand the highest. I put my hand the highest. Put, it is so easy, but the lesson here is unmistakable. 
If we take our eyes off Jesus and focus on our circumstances, we will fall under the weight of our problems. But if we call to Jesus, he will catch us and lift us above our seemingly impossible situation. Peter let doubt displace his faith. Even in all the time he had been with Jesus, even Peter, one of Christ's closest friends, was still learning to trust the Lord completely. You know, we have a way to go. None of us are Jesus. All of us are growing in our faith, and that is okay. That is so okay. Take, I wouldn't say take your time, but I would say, say, all right, I'm not living this by faith as much now. What can I do or who can I spend time with that will help me live more by faith? Who will point me towards a faith-filled life? You know, I, like I said at the start, I want to look back on my life. I want people to say, Andrew was a faith-filled guy. And that inspired me to be a faith-filled person. And then that inspired someone else. You know, was it give, one person can give flight to thousands? You know, like this whole idea that we, our faith has power to influence those around us is, is special. So, the final thing I want to talk about what Jesus did was, and what we can do in that time was, as soon as Jesus got in the boat and calmed the storm, there was a confession by the disciples that said, truly you are God. And what did it say? Then they worshipped him. Truly you are God. I'm going to worship you. You know, this was the first time, this is actually the first time in the Bible is that the disciples are said to have worshipped Jesus. First time before, it says that the Magi from the East in Matthew 2.11, they had worshipped Jesus. It says a leper in Matthew 8.2 had worshipped Jesus. It said a synagogue ruler in Matthew 9.18 had worshipped Jesus. We have to wait five whole chapters before his disciples say, oh, actually, I'm going to worship you now. That's kind of backwards, don't you think? That people who weren't chosen to, to be his direct followers were, were responding to him in worship. Whereas the disciples themselves took a, a whole while longer to actually say, you are God, so I'm going to give him my worship. You know, this is what worship is. Acknowledging who God is and praising Him for both who He is and what He has done. It was in this story that the disciples took the first step and worshipped Jesus as the Son of God. In our storms, the one thing I want to encourage you to not do is stop worshipping. Never stop worshipping. Whether it's something you force yourself to do, whether it's just practical, instead of listening to the, the hot hits, the 100 hot hits, you get in and you turn your playlist on that says, my favorite worship songs, and you just put it on. You force yourself to worship. Whether it's you say, oh, I'm going to choose to be wary in my workplace that everything I do, I do to glorify God. I do to worship God. 
Whether it's about the way that you treat people, is like, I will treat people well because that glorifies God. My encouragement to you is in the middle of your storm, don't become salty. Don't become bitter. In the middle of your storm, don't become so focused on the storm that you forget that you're not the only person in that boat. There's still people that you can love and care for and treat well. And when Jesus is there and when he comes into the boat, we have a confession that says you are the son of God. And worship is what we give to him. But because we have been saved by grace through faith, we no longer have to wait for boat moments, storm moments to worship him. We can worship him because of the cross. So never stop worshiping Jesus. I just want to finish with this. Storms are opportunities. What are they? Opportunities to grow in faith, to expect God to rock up. Storms are opportunities to choose faith over fear, to step out of the boat onto the unknown, to make a calculated risk. Can I just say, a ca- faith and walking with God is a calculated risk. What I mean by that is every time that we hear God and we respond to him, there is a promise that says that I will never leave you nor forsake you, that I've gone before you. I will not ask you to do anything I've not provided for. It's a calculated risk. Whether it's becoming a parent, whether it's quitting your job to pursue something else, whether it's going and attending a new church or being part of a new community group, Anything that God asks you to do is a calculated risk because he will be there with you. You know, one of the things I do when I find out that um, I feel like the seasons are changing in my life, it's, I usually find out when I'm standing in my kitchen. And like, it's happened three times now. I'll just be standing there with either a cup of tea or just talking to, to my wife. And I'm like, yeah, the season's changing. Something new is happening. God's doing something new. And what I realize is that you can either fight against the season or you can dress accordingly. You can either rock up to that picnic on a 30-degree day wearing jumpers and scarves and beanies because you're like, no, my season is not changing, it's not changing. Or you can rock up dressed accordingly. Spiritually, you can either dress accordingly. Something's changing and I need to adapt to it. I need to change with it. Or you can fight against it and you're going to sweat bullets or you're not going to be able to handle the elements as well. What I want to encourage you that today is a faith season. Well, faith step rather. Can you close your eyes? What I mean by that is that I believe that God is speaking to some people here that something is changing in their lives. And we need to change with it. Some of us are fighting against it because we're afraid, but some of us just need to change with it and ride out the storm. So if that's you, I just want to pray for you. Father God, we just pray that in this moment that every single person who is here, who you love, knows that you are with them, that you will walk to them on top of the storm. You can calm the storm 
and that you are with us as we step out of the boat. God, I just pray for every new season that is happening. I pray for every person who is going through a faith faith struggle at the moment. Lord, you, they would know your presence so clearly. They would understand that you are with them at all times. And you have power in your words to calm the storm. Let's not be afraid of the storm, but let's embrace the storm because it doesn't last forever. In Jesus' name, we say amen. Uh, I love you guys. You're all amazing people. I know that whatever God is asking you to do or wherever he's leading you, that he is not going to make you do it alone, but he's going to be there right there, right there with you. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.